You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors. Rochelle Vanderzanden here with Corey Janoff. Hello. We were just talking about the the crazy cost of home prices nowadays, and we are putting together a, a little show today about how sometimes we don't have enough money to do all the things we want to do and meet all of our financial goals, buy the house we want, all of that kind of stuff. Generally speaking, there's a couple of things that you can do when there's just not enough money to go around. One is to decrease spending and one is to increase your income. So today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that second one, which is really just making more money, which is an option a lot of times, especially for physicians, because there's so many ways that you can potentially increase your income in that line of work. So we're going to spend a bit of time talking about that today. Um, We'll talk a little bit about contract negotiation, kind of side hustles, making a little bit more in your existing position, all of that kind of stuff. So Corey, you want to take it away for us? Yeah. You know, I think for a lot of you listening, increasing your income is probably easier to do than decreasing your spending. You know, once that lifestyle creep sets in, you get accustomed to this certain level of expectations, it's really hard to take a step backward and go down. You know, it, it's it's hard to to, you know, go from eating top ramen to eating, you know, steak and lobster to then go back to eating top ramen. It, 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 it just doesn't happen very often in our experience. So in order to achieve the financial goals you want to achieve or accelerate your path towards financial independence, you know, increasing your income might be a, a, a consideration uh, worth pursuing. So, you know, a number of things that you can do to increase your income probably won't cover everything today. But, you know, first and foremost, if you don't want to consider working more or moving or, or taking on additional, um, you know, side hustles, you know, one, one thing you could consider is just contract negotiation. You know, let's, let's see if we can negotiate more pay through our current job or for, you know, your, your job that you're pursuing. You know, this especially uh, starts right out of the gates. Once you uh, start looking at jobs as an attending, you're finishing up residency or fellowship, looking at contract offers, start negotiating right there. You know, ask for more money. Worst they can tell you is no. Um, now you got to be careful, and, and you don't want to offend them and, and be a, a little outlandish with your requests. But it doesn't hurt to try and negotiate higher compensation. Now, you know, there's plenty of you know, resources out there to figure out what is a, a fair or, or competitive rate based on your specialty, where you're living geographically. There's a, numerous agencies out there you can employ to help negotiate contracts for you. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, beyond just the salary, you know, you can negotiate sign-on bonuses, retention bonuses, student loan repayment assistance, um, you know, if it's a hospital, there's probably only so much you can do on the benefit side of things, but maybe on the private practice side, you be able to work out something on the retirement contributions. And, uh, you know, really don't underestimate the power of renegotiating your contracts too. You know, maybe you, you sign your initial agreement, it's a 
two-year contract or three-year contract, whatever, when you're coming up for renewal, really start to prepare yourself and, and gather all the data you can, you know, get records of RVUs you produced or billing history, think anything that can help your case and showing your worth, saying, hey, company, hey, hospital, here's what I've done for you. Uh, now, what are you going to do for me? Let's see if we can get my salary up to be a little bit more in line with the production level that I'm bringing uh, to the table here. So, um, you know, it, it definitely is costly to replace you. So, you know, they, they'd probably rather pay you a couple extra bucks than let you go and find a new doctor that they have to vet and get credentialed and everything. So, uh, definitely use those. Um, those, those contract renewal dates to your advantage to try and negotiate higher compensation. But Rochelle, anything else you can think of there? Now, I do think that's a really big one and one that people sometimes underestimate is not just that initial negotiation, but the ongoing negotiation, especially if you learn that a colleague is making more than you, like you better be asking for more money, <laughs> you know, or if like, if you are doing really well in your position, you are now a a proven employee like you have done a good job you can continue to do a good job and whoever they might need to hire next is not proven to them like they might find a good candidate but it might not work out very well at all and it is very 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 costly to bring on new people generally so definitely you know keep that in mind as as you go through your career it's not just right off the bat it's it's every step along the way that you could potentially be making sure that you're compensated fairly Absolutely. Another thing um, that you can do to boost the income is just trade your time for money. Work extra shifts. You know, try and do more cases, procedures. Um, you know, depending on your specialty, this may be more flexible or feasible, and, and depending on the, the the place that you're working too. Um, but you know, you, you could take call pay. You know, I know uh, <clears throat> some older doctors. Uh, who, who actually will pay the younger doctors to take their call for them because they don't want to get called at night. So if you're young and hungry and, and, and are willing to do that, you know you could definitely find some ways to pick up some extra shifts. You know, I think again, depending on the specialty, like ER docs are a classic example. Maybe with your contract, you're required to work 12 shifts a month, um, which is perfect. You could do that. You know, you have your your days off and enjoy time, or maybe you work 15 shifts per month, pick up an extra three per month. You know. That's a 25% boost in income, assuming you're paid the same for every shift. So you could definitely pick up a little bit here and there to uh, to boost your earnings. On the RVU side of things, if you're paid on an RVU basis or have some sort of compensation tied to RVUs, really make sure you're documenting everything that you're doing in the EMR system so you can capture all your available RVUs for each patient, patient you're seeing. Um, you know, make and now we have to be careful here. Make sure you're being ethical and you're recommending appropriate treatments and procedures for your patients. You know, I've heard stories of of uh, of doctors out there that might be recommending things that that pay them higher RVUs, but may not be the most uh, appropriate uh, course of action for that patient. So don't be one of those. But you know, definitely make sure you're you're documenting everything correctly and and maximizing that RVU. Or if you're on a collections-based model, just you know, make sure you're you're getting as many collections as you can. Make sure the billing department is on top of it. Um, if you're in private practice, really you know, keep an eye on the billing team, making sure 
they're they're doing as much as they can for you if you're outsourcing your billing to a, a, an outside company make sure that they're doing a good job and, and don't be afraid to consider other companies if you feel like you could make some improvements on the collection side so that's huge having a a good medical biller on your team is uh, an invaluable uh, person or, or, or group of people to have but anything else on that one rochelle no i mean i think it's all about making sure you know the time you do spend at work you're you're being fairly compensated for and that's all just about recording everything especially if you are paid based on production i think a lot of times people just don't do a great job of that paperwork <laughs> and obviously that that's going to be really important um there are also other like lots of other things you can do outside of your primary job to potentially earn more like lots of little side hustles shall we say um i actually have a client who has an instagram and gets paid endorsements on her instagram for doing things which is very cool because she's the coolest and why would someone not pay her to, <laughs> to say that their skincare product is great or whatever it is um yeah so there's there's stuff like that that you can do especially if you become more influential um you can do like ex expert witness for med legal cases review court cases you can testify in court if that's something you want to do um a lot of times uh, like attorneys hire people specifically for those kinds of things and and you can set your own rates you can tell them like what you want to be paid and you know if you name an outlandish price maybe they'll find someone else but you'd be surprised at what they're willing to pay sometimes um i know there's lots of writing and speaking engagements sometimes for for medical professionals and that can be a really good resource um there's also like people who do locum stuff outside of their primary job like you know maybe they want to do some traveling too so i have clients who work full-time and then also you know once in a while they do a weekend gig off in some other city or something like that um and those can pay a lot it's pretty surprising and i think that might be something that's that's maybe unique to the time that we're in right now just because doctors are so in high demand in some places but i think that while that's an option you can take advantage of it um, I know there's a few other ones that you had written down here too, Corey. You want to go into some of those ones? Sure. I think one is, uh, you know, on the insurance side of things, insurance companies need physicians often to review claims to see whether or not they're justifiable. Um, you know, this often comes into play if if a procedure is necessary versus elective and you know if all the different criteria have been met and I'm sure you guys have horror stories dealing with insurance companies you know there's all sorts of hoops that they require the the customers or patients in your case to jump through before they can be eligible for certain procedures well no you can't just go to a doctor and have that procedure first you have to see your primary care doctor then they have to refer you to another doctor who then tries this treatment and if that treatment doesn't work after 30 days then you can do this procedure so um, it, it's a, a big scam out there these insurance companies but they will employ doctors to review cases and um, you, know, you could even be a part-time medical director at some of these companies and review insurance cases and it's, it's not necessarily a full-time job it could you know really just be a few hours a week honestly um, so that could be something that you explore or consider looking into um, one of the nice things with 
any of these gigs that you do, if you're operating as an independent contractor, you know, if you're doing speaking engagements, writing articles, etc., um, doing the expert witness stuff, you know, most of that is in a salaried role. It's most likely just going to be paid to you as 1099 income. With any of that independent contractor income, you can actually set up tax favorable retirement accounts to funnel that income into. Like you could set up a, a SEP IRA or a solo 401k and put make pre-tax contributions. A certain percentage of your earnings can go into those plans. If you're really earning a lot, uh, you could even uh, add a, a cash balance plan on top of that. You know, there's a lot of cool things you can do uh, as an independent contractor from a tax advantage retirement savings side of things. So definitely... Um, some ways to accelerate that path towards financial independence if you can uh, get some income on the side. Uh, what else we got, Rochelle? Yeah, I think that, you know, sometimes you might be in a position where you have your primary job and it's just not working out and you're not being paid accordingly and they, they do not want to pay you more. If that's the case, if it's not like a job that you love and you are willing to give up good chunks of money for, you shouldn't stay. Like you probably should be looking for another higher paying job that will pay you what you're worth and and you know so you're appropriately compensated for your time and can work towards these goals so definitely you know be willing to revisit that periodically make sure that that you are being paid appropriately and then if you you aren't you can look around where you are now but i think another thing that you can also consider is is the concept of geographic arbitrage which we've talked about before it's just the idea that you know, you can go to a lower cost of living area where physicians are likely in higher demand and you can get paid more and pay less to live, pay less for your house, pay less for like every service that you might need. And it makes a huge difference in your overall cash flow because you have more money coming in and less money going out, which means that all of that extra money you can use for other things. And this is probably not a solution that works for everyone. Like not everyone is willing to pick up and move to North Dakota or Kentucky or, or wherever it is. But I think for some people, especially if it's just, you know, for five, six years, it might be a good solution to do that while maybe you're young and you don't necessarily have as many obligations um, and, and make a good chunk of money while the getting is good. So there's a lot of different examples about like, you know, you can live in Los Angeles and you can make a good amount of money. You can make, you know, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars per year. But let's say like you're making six hundred thousand dollars per year in L.A., like that can still be pretty challenging to buy a house and like, you know, put your kids through school and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and when we were running some calculations ahead of this, basically like you could move to Kansas City, Missouri, and you would only need like $389,000 of income to basically equal that $600,000 of income in LA to replicate the same standard of living. So dramatically less money, but in reality, it's more like you'll probably earn still at least $600,000 in Kansas City or more, and that's the equivalent of almost a million dollars in Los Angeles. So it there's a lot of things about doing that that can work really, really, really well for people if it's something that you can do. And again, it doesn't have to be a long-term thing. It can be something that you do for a few years. For sure. Yeah, I've had some clients do that for a few years, especially early on in their careers. Hey, let's go work in a low cost of living area, get a high paycheck, pay off the student loans, and then go 
back to the city that you ultimately want to be in long term. But um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be middle of nowhere, like you know Los Angeles versus Kansas City. Kansas City is a big city; they got a pro football team. Like, <laughs> you, like you can live in a a, a, a less um, What's the word? Maybe, maybe not a, a major uh, metropolitan area. You know, one, not one of the top, you know, five markets in the in America, but still live in a decent-sized city. You know, you don't have to live in the sticks. Uh, that being said, if you do go find a place in the sticks, you can often get a pretty high paycheck, and, and your cost of living is is nothing. Um, and you know, again, everyone's different. This isn't a, a viable option for everyone, but you, you definitely can make more in in smaller towns or smaller areas. Like I've got a family practice doctor in Iowa making about five hundred thousand a year, and I think the national average or median income for family practice physicians is about two hundred seventy-five thousand. I know uh, an OBGYN in uh, South Carolina making over a million dollars per year and you know the average income is is you know closer to 360 375 for that specialty so um you know case by case every everyone's different every market's different even within the same city there's drastically different uh, opportunities with with varying compensations available depending on private practice versus hospital versus academic even two private practices may just operate differently and have different streams of income whether that be surgery centers real estate etc so uh, but there definitely are opportunities out there if you're looking for more income and willing to relocate uh, you could definitely find something that that fits that bill um, but again not for everyone so yeah I definitely feel like the coastal like west coast east coast that's where you get paid less <laughs> and that's not like all across the board but generally speaking I feel like that's that's pretty true and you go anywhere in the middle and you can get paid more <laughs> maybe not Chicago I feel like people in Chicago still don't get paid great but <laughs> yeah okay and I think you know we can talk about make more money all we want but really like if you make more money and then you just spend more money you're not doing anything to really achieve any longer term financial goals and that is the next step or it needs to be the next step if, the, if that's the reason that you're doing this if the reason you're doing this is so that you can make sure that you're in good shape later on in life or you can put your kids through college you actually have to start putting that money to work for you so I think the important thing is like as you start to earn more you set it up so a lot of this th stuff happens automatically like you're automatically putting money into retirement savings you're automatically putting money towards college savings and it is like an auto debit from your account it happens every month and and you don't have it sitting in your checking account where it's like oh look at all this extra money I have we could go on another vacation um, and, and it could be that that's the priority. It could be that the reason you want to make more money is so you can go on more vacations and things like that. And I think that's fine. It's just a matter of, of trying to be really thoughtful about the choices that you're making and not just doing it. For sure. Yeah, if we're just making more money and then spending it, that's you're just running faster on the hamster wheel. You're not going anywhere. Um, you know, we got to make sure we put that extra money to work and use it productively uh, and whether that be from higher income or decreased expenses or a combination of the two and make sure we're like you said Rochelle saving for retirement paying down debts um, 
you know, as expenses come off the books, you know, and childcare costs go away, let's make sure we're putting that couple thousand a month or whatever it was, you know, towards additional retirement savings or towards faster debt payoff, you know, put those extra freed up dollars to work when your car loan is paid off, preferably keep driving the used car with no payment and direct your car payment towards something productive. Bonuses. Bonuses are great. Ideally, you structure your life to live on your salary and then any additional income that comes in is just gravy. So a, a good uh, rule of thumb that I like with bonus income is a 90-10 rule of thumb. Let's take 10% of our bonus and have fun with it. Enjoy enjoy life. Treat yourself. If any Parks and Rec fans out there, um, <laughs> have some fun. Take a vacation. Uh, spoil yourself, but with the other 90% of it, let's be productive with it. Put it towards investing for retirement, throw it in the kid's college fund, pay down some debt. Um, If you can just be productive with that extra income and continue to make a habit out of doing that, you'll continue to accelerate your path towards your financial goals. And simple math. You don't need a financial advisor to tell you the more you save for retirement, the sooner you'll be able to retire. You know, the more you put towards mm-hmm. debts, the faster you'll become debt free. It's it's pretty straightforward there. So, uh if you you can just keep that mentality and 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 plow forward, good things will come for you. Yeah. And I know this is the make more money episode, but I think spending less is is worth like a second of our time (laughs) but if the idea of like working more making more money if you feel like you know you are adequately compensated for what you're doing and you're in a good position with your job and you just don't want to put in more work to to make more money look at what you're spending and and really like if if you're not spending in a way that really aligns well with your values then then let's make some changes. I think that's where that can come in really, really helpful. Like if if you your goal is is you don't want to work a bunch, I think that is also a very valid goal. And I think that if you need to make some changes to how you're managing your finances in order for that to be the thing, I think that that is well worth spending a little bit of time thinking about. So for some people, I think working more making more money is perfect like there are people that love to just get out there and grind and like make the world work for them and work for the world and work for money and like make it happen but yeah for some people it's just it can be a lot and it might make sense to dial back a little bit and and take stock of what your priorities are financially for sure kind of along the lines of making sure your spending is aligned with your values let's just really sit down and, and what makes you happy? Where are you most content? Yeah, I, I, for most people, sure, you, you know, you enjoy going out, doing things, spending that cost money, but, you know, every time you buy a new gizmo or gadget, or, or, you know, is that really improving your, you know, your, your happiness meter? Um, you know, if you, if you really just enjoy the outdoors, hiking is free. You know, sure, you need to buy the, the shoes and, uh, you know, but beyond that, I mean, get a water bottle, shoes, you know, a backpack with some snacks in it, and you're you're good to go. Um, you know, if you whatever whatever you're into, um, sure, going out to dinner is is a great hobby for a lot of people. Um, but you can definitely find you know some some good restaurants for for reasonable prices. Um, or you know, maybe if it's just the food that you enjoy with the people that you uh, enjoy being with, maybe it's not the actual 
restaurant part of it. It's the experience of being with you know your your friends and family. Well, we can find ways to do that without spending you know thousand bucks on a dinner. Um, so really sit down. What makes you content? What makes you happiest? For most people, it's you know being in control of their time and being able to spend that time with with the people they enjoy being with. So. Uh, finding ways to align your lifestyle, your work, your expenditures with that, with those values, I think can do a lot more than, oh, let's just try and make more money or, or, or decrease spending. You know, let's, let's try and live in, in alignment with, with those values, like you said, Rochelle. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's all about, really. I think that if you listen to this podcast, we get all weird and touchy-feely a lot. <laughs> But I think that's what it comes down to is like, you know, money is a tool and really it's a, it's a tool that hopefully is, is helping you enjoy your life more. And, that, and that's what we want to make sure that we're, we're trying to nail down and, and pay attention to. For sure. Well, as always, don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, want us to cover something specific. Um, if you like the show, you know, give us a, a review on Apple Podcasts, if you use Apple, which about 60% of you do, we see the data. Um, if you don't like the show, tell us why. Don't write a review, though, but tell us directly, and we can find ways to improve it. So, appreciate it, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.